0: What is a suggestion? Welcome to Episode 9 of Hypnotalk's Question and Answers with Axel Hombach and Dr. John Butler. My name is Axel Hombach. I'm sitting here in Cologne in my office and I'm currently online with Dr. John Butler sitting in his office in London. Hello, John.
1: Hello, Axel.
0: Delighted to talk to you again about this fascinating question.
1: Yes, uh, I'm very happy to, uh, to speak to you and to whoever's listening.
0: So, what is a suggestion is a question that covers several aspects. It is a question that comes up in the hypnosis forums over and over again from time to time. And it has, as I said, several aspects. What is a suggestion is very important for hypnotists to know because suggestions is what our work is based on. When we talk about what is a suggestion, we also need to talk about how do we apply suggestions, how powerful are they really, what are they comprised of, what do they contain, a lot of things. And with that, let's start, John. When you hear the question, what is a suggestion, ju- Suggestion when you answer that quickly before we go into the other aspects, what would be your quick answer to what is a suggestion?
1: Well let's see. Uh the first thing that comes to my mind is that from a very practical point of view, the suggestion is a stimulus. It can be verbal, nonverbal, and it can be visual and so on tactile and so on. But it it gives information to the subject that is very much expectancy based. Uh, that a particular response, and this response is non-volitional. In other words, they're not just carrying it out through effort, willpower alone, and that this non-volitional response will occur in response to that stimulus. That's speaking about a little bit scientifically.
0: Mm, Often suggestions are considered to be very manipulative from your point of view? Would that be true or...?
1: Well, again, the word is not the most helpful from our point of view because it always carries some element of somebody being under something. To suggest is not the same as to directly give an instruction. Now, again, the instruction is not like a command, if I say, lift your arm. Now, that's really not a suggestion. That's a direct command. So a suggestion has to have a non-volitional element to it. In other words, in our hypnotherapy field, we would say it's working primarily through subconscious processes, non-logical, non-voluntary effort involved. And of course, it's never completely one or the other, but the word suggestion has always had connotations of being linked with suggestible equals gullible to some extent. In other words, an element of potential manipulation and being not open and above board
0: now you mention gullible and together with gullible we also need to talk about suggestible yes uh, which are two completely different aspects or concepts
1: yes axel well we in hypnotherapy uh, in the format i teach it at least Very rarely use the word suggestion nowadays. We use it because it's still got common currency, but we prefer to use the word responsiveness. And we often, even when we're talking about suggestibility, testing, and testing is not always the best word for people, we'll talk about responsiveness training. Responsiveness may be assessment if we had to at the beginning with a client, but responsiveness training is a positive thing. We're teaching you to build on what is a natural occurring phenomenon with the human mind and we are avoiding where we can slowly but surely replacing the word suggestion with programming affirmations and other descriptions programming instructions and directives and so on but we always are including in that that element of non-voluntary non-willful responsiveness
0: When we talk about this suggestibility and responsiveness, you mentioned that also in your book, and Gilboen also mentions it in his manual, that another word could be coachable. Well, absolutely, because it's conveying
1: the element of the person wanting these suggestions, these programming instructions, and we're very deliberately telling them, giving them those suggestions that they've asked for. So there's a cooperative involvement. It is not one mind dominating others or trying to sneak something through. This, again, is helpful where some of the work on indirect suggestion seems to imply that you always are better off taking an indirect approach to accessing the subconscious or unconscious mind, uh, those elements of the brain that are non-voluntary, so to speak. Really... We like to work up front cooperatively and being very clear that what we're doing is cooperating with the person's own internal mental processes and they have agreed this right from the outset.
0: So going back to your first description of what a suggestion is that it's a sensory input and... Then some subconscious processes take the sensory input and um, process it. And then the response comes, which then would be the responsiveness. Now, when we work in hypnosis, the main way that we convey our ideas to the client, uh, the suggestions that he asked for, the ideas that he asked for is by choosing words. So in hypnosis, the main form of suggestion would arrive at the client in the form of audio input.
1: Yes. Well, as you know, traditional hypnotherapy, so-called scripts, or I think uh, we should think about them as a program of instructions for the subconscious, they are well thought out with good use of semantics and syntax based on what the client has been revealing. In the session, what they've asked for, for example, like they've come for smoking cessation help, and on top of that, with the direct questioning that we've asked them about their motivations to give up and so on, how they use tobacco, what emotional benefits, secondary gains, whatever they've got from it, our suggestions are carefully tailored to match the needs of the client. And that's an art in itself, the art of creating the very best affirmations and then, along with semantics and syntax at the highest possible levels, we then come to vocal skills as well, as to the tonality of the voice, what conveys conviction for the subconscious mind of the recipient. And this, again, this is just one of several major factors that are involved in the effectiveness of the programming. Again, these tend to be glossed over in most hypnotherapy trainings, where the magic is in that script, just reading it out mechanically, whether it's an Elman, an Ericksonian, or a Gilboyne script, by following it like a machine, doing it by numbers, you'll get the results. We know that programming does not work effectively when it's done in that manner. If it has effects at all, most of those effects are likely to be from the client's own motivation, their own readiness for change, and factors such as placebo, but again, we don't want to get into too much discussion about that. Expectancy, which is linked with placebo, but it's perhaps different in other ways. That, those are very big factors in promoting change, and often they have very little to do with the, that script
0: that's being given,
1: particularly when it's being given in a
0: mechanical way. So from what you say... When we use hypnosis, basically all the sensory input that we deliver to our client, usually in form of a sound, needs to be very, very carefully tailored to what the client needs. And at that point of view, we need to observe our client very closely and take in all the minute details uh, be it in gestures, be it in tonality or the choice of words and use that, what the client gives us and then process this, taking, so to speak, the suggestions from our client and then process it in a way uh, that we hand it back, that he then uh, receives the processed suggestions from us and then works with his modified suggestions. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've summarized that quite well, I think. And in addition to that, uh, it also becomes very clear, at least from my perspective, that it is extremely important which words you choose. You cannot use random words. E- and You have to be very careful and tune into the system of your client so that you know that you know or feel what meaning could a certain word have for the client and then from that background there also come into play cultural aspects what certain word what meanings have words in a cultural context so that you are very careful with your choice of words because one word can ruin the complete session And then, as you said, it's very important, the tonality, the rhythm and other aspects of modulating your voice. Absolutely. Uh, Which all then uh, give the sensory input for your client and make it then more likely that your client processes this sensory input in a certain way and forms that into his own suggestions.
1: Well, absolutely. The whole art of giving programming requires you to have done a very good consultation. So you've got a lot of information, as you said, all that observation, those observation listening skills, which you think can then take further with some uncovering work to make sure you've got a very good understanding of the emotional issues involved that motivate the client to do the things that they don't want to be doing, and to move them in the right direction, in a healthier direction. And then, of course, your vocal skills that need to be developed to a high level, and language skills, all of these then combine to produce the most effective response within that client. Words have many shades of meaning, and there's different cultures and language elements to take into account, and we see that very strongly with people who have, again, different levels of education, but across cultures... Words don't translate just mechanically, simply from one medium to another, so to speak. We have to be very, very careful about that. And the best choice of words is very useful, very important for a therapist. When you think about political speeches, they're worked on by anything from 12 to 30 or more people to make sure that certain words are included. Sometimes words are deliberately vague to allow for different shades of interpretation and meaning and other words which are very definitely meant to convey a clear message to the audience. So there's an awful lot to learn about
0: language and its use in when you are a hypnotherapist. Another aspect of suggestion sometimes comes up in the discussions Because suggestions are often used synonymously with scripts, for example, that people say scripts are not as effective as regression work, for example. However, from what we discussed in this short episode, um, everything that we give our clients as a hypnotist, no matter if it's a regression or if it's a different kind of programming, even the regression is sequence of suggestions that we give our client so that they go to earlier instances of a certain emotion or belief.
1: Yes, absolutely. We can't not communicate, as the old saying goes. We can't avoid suggestion. It's part of life. It's verbal, it's non-verbal. It's a phenomenon which, when it's understood, its value and its power and its all-pervading influence, we can take it, uh, as hypnotherapists, we need to take it, develop it to the highest levels. So you're programming a person when you're taking them back. There's expectation and confusions, misunderstandings they have about it. So those are maybe interfering suggestions. There's positive suggestions in the form of expectancy and placebo, even though those are also different phenomena depending on how we define them exactly. And then when you take a person back to early experiences, you're uncovering suggestions they were given as children or in somewhere in the past where it, a maladaptive learning occurred. And we as therapists need to be aware of how those suggestions have affected them and be able to help them clean those from their subconscious in a sense to weaken and modify the fixed suggestions, the fixed ideas and replace them with constructive, appropriate, helpful and mature suggestions for their development.
0: What you described, a fixed suggestion, fixed idea, would it also be possible, valid to say that a suggestion is a different word for a meme?
1: Well, in the way that the word meme is used, as I understand it, it's more of a, yes, it's a culturally-based idea that becomes established in the mind, and um, there are certainly those elements in in human consciousness. There are a lot of elements that we absorb from other people, the kind of the cultural hypnosis, as you might call it. So, yeah, ideas that get implanted in the mind can be a bit like viruses. They can grow and develop and do a lot of harm in the mind. And we see that with clients when an idea becomes implanted because it's a powerful, emotionally-based idea. It takes a serious approach to therapy to really change that, to get the best
0: possible results for the client. I read recently in one of the online groups that modern hypnosis would no longer work with suggestions. Suggestions is old school, but nowadays we have other means of helping our clients. I'm not really sure what the other means are, but from your knowledge of what suggestions are and how suggestions are formed, is it actually possible to do hypnosis work with someone else without suggestions?
1: Well, I'm not sure what's being referred to there. We divide our work up into different elements and approaches such as this is now programming, this stage of the therapy session is now regression, this is uncovering, this is decontaminating old programming, old experience. You know, there's many, many elements to the therapy. But underpinning it, of course, there's suggestion involved in all of that. I'm not sure how anybody could exist in this world without auto-suggestion. And there was subconsciously derived suggestion, which is subconsciously self-activating. In other words, a lot of those programming things that go on in our mind that hold us back in life are below our level of conscious awareness to quite a degree, they influence us. We're dealing with that all the time in therapy. And so the problems people have are really forms of unhealthy suggestions. And so they've got to be addressed at that level, including by suggestion and the other methods and tools that we use. I would also say that uh, the academic scientific literature on the subject of hypnosis largely holds the view that hypnosis is a form of suggestion, suggestibility, cognitive behavioral approach for, which includes kind of elements of suggestion uh, expectancy based on socio-cognitive model of the mind The people expect to be hypnotized they expect to play a role with the hypnotist the hypnotist plays a role also based on his expectation of being a hypnotist and so all of this work involves suggestion in one shape or form or another
0: Because we are already approaching the end of our episode, um, you know the sentence, you cannot not communicate. Yes. And would you say, you cannot not make suggestions, right or wrong? That's true. To sum up what you've said, would you agree with a quick summary that suggestion is based on any sensory input that we receive, be it through the eyes, ears, or through our skin or other means, which is then processed in our brain. And in this process of being processed, it's being interpreted. And the interpretation is based on our experiences, on our fixed ideas, etc. And through this interpretation, the sensory input then receives its power and becomes the suggestion.
1: I would agree that that's a good summary of what I've been saying, and I would just add to it, when you think about experiments in physiology and psychology and classical conditioning, even when the response is very innate, apparently, you know, just a very basic response lies with Pavlov and his dogs that salivated with the food and the bell, then the expectancy, with the bell being rung, that this will occur again in the animal or in the human you can see that suggestion for its effectiveness in the way that we're giving it to people involves expectation, it involves belief, it involves placebo. It's a fundamental part of our being, and it has many aspects to it for it to uh, affect us as it does so strongly in life, and that we as therapists must understand these concepts such as expectancy, suggestion, placebo, hypnosis, trance, and so on, at a profound level if we're
0: going to use them in the most powerful and successful ways with clients. So John, some last words for our clients before we come to an end for today.
1: Well, I think in many ways students or established practitioners need to work on developing their own abilities for self-suggestion to, we can understand it in things intellectually at the emotional level, at an intuitive level and we need to really understand our work at the deepest levels at each of those forms of understanding through experience, through working with clients, through studying the academic literature and other forms of literature on the subject. So Axel, so that we are really quite competent and expert even in all that we do. And we don't just get into simplistic thinking on these important matters and get stuck in a rut. But we keep understanding what we do and we do our thinking in depth about our own work. And that way we'll keep growing and developing as a therapist and provide the very best services for our clients.
0: With that said, study the high art of suggestion and become a master so that you can do the best, not only for yourself, but for your clients and for your neighbors and for the people around you. Absolutely. Thank you very much, John. Uh, It was a great pleasure to talk to you again and benefit from your long-standing wisdom. I'm delighted to talk to you again in the very short future.
1: Thank you, Axel. And thank you to those who are listening. And I look forward to speaking again. And all the best for now. All the best for now.